And Ethan, is your hair still blonde? Yeah, it's still blonde. How tall are you today? Um, probably like six. Three hundred and fifty-eight days. That's how long it was between Western Kentucky on September fifteenth of two thousand and eighteen to Saturday night when Louisville knocked off Eastern Kentucky. I I've never felt so happy about a win that small, like against a, a team like Eastern Kentucky, my entire life. But man, was it electric in Cardinal Stadium on Saturday night! You're in for the Big Red Louie podcast, episode seventeen. Jacob Lane alongside of Ethan Sproles and Alex Stengel. How are you guys doing tonight? Did you save that for that? I absolutely saved it just for that moment. I was gonna do it when you were talking about the three hundred fifty. You should have just. You should have. That's done really it. That been. what it was like. Perfect. That perfect was my sound. reaction or my thought as soon as we finally won the game. I'm just like, all right, let's crack open just a cold one. Just everyone take a breather. I think we were all getting kind of anxious. There was even writers in our own group that were kind of hitting the panic button even before we played the Eastern game because Eastern is a pretty good FCS school. Like they they've won a couple. Hey, they really kinda. They're not bad. For who they are, they're not bad. Yeah, yeah. I'll give them like that. we were told they're fundamentally sound. We were told like they at least know but what. Guys, like there were people genuinely concerned about that game. Like yeah, that's what, that's what that's what of, makes it funny now. One of my friends just, sitting next to me was like, yeah. Like, if we if we lose this game, I mean, you'd say the season's over. Right? I'm like, yeah, of course the season would be over. It'd be over any year. Like you don't you can't lose to this team if you're Louisville. Like, yeah, it sucks to be Tennessee. Then I was gonna say we're we're not in the SEC, man. Like yeah. we can't we can't That's just true. drop FCS games like that. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say 42 nothing. First shutout since 2013. Football is fun again. Louisville football is fun again. I think that that and is the feels- first time that when you push that mic that he's talked into the mic since he's been. Podcasting it, with us, and he's, he's, usually, to, he's like, hey, yeah, it's gonna be. A good I was game. trying to make it like a subtle gesture, uh, no, I and it was really nice, you. but it sounded good. But Louisville welcome football. to the show, Ethan. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Hopefully, it, it was picking up what I was saying. But Louisville football is good again, and it feels so freaking good. And, it does, and we're not even. It's not even that we won just one off game, right? Like it's not like yeah. we still we're still terrible. We look terrible, and just thankfully we just won a game. It's not. It's not like that at Which all. Which happened like, twice last year. Right. Like we yeah. were just flailing, and then just happened to win too. Like no, no, no. This was like fundamentally sound. Like yes, we yes we beat just EKU, but we did it in a very like let's get let's get off the bus. Let's just do like do our job, make it efficient. Like they just look like they went to work. We, we got we got to worry about us, right? We're gonna be family. We're gonna worry about us. We're not gonna worry about the other team. It's, We're it's gonna gotta be, be like this. You it's know, gotta be like this. All right. I gave it another week. And I really thought you'd go home and practice that. Just, just if look, you were gonna bring it back look, out man, on the podcast, I at here. least thought you would have put listen a here. little more effort. Let me tell you into that. I heard Coach imitation. O talk on TV on Saturday. Oh my goodness! Boy, was my accent right on, man. It was so good. Oh, you I sounded do just like him. Your Coach O. Oh, my Coach O Can is you flawless. Do yeah, it. it's gotta be natural. Ethan. Jacob has just like watched hours of his coach daughter's o. like Sesame Street uh, Cookie Monster videos just to like prepare <laughs> no, for the Coach sounds O. Like Coach O. Well, it's gonna be a good show. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Easter. Kentucky win is obviously a big deal whether or not you think it is a big deal because it's a win and it's the first one in 358 days we're going to take a look at Western Kentucky Louisville's opponent on Saturday down in Nashville can't wait for that trip and we're going to have Jake Weingarten of Stock uh, Stock Risers and 
uh, cardinalsports.com on a little bit later to talk some basketball recruiting since we had to push that uh, last week. And there's obviously there's a lot of relevant news there. But let's start with Lamar Jackson because I'll tell you what. When I say that the first Sunday of football season of the NFL season is my favorite day of the year, I'm not even lying to you because I don't move off my couch. But what I saw was not even close to anything that I could have ever imagined. Now, it is the Miami Dolphins, which they are the worst team in the NFL, and they could potentially go down as one of the worst teams of all time. But I am not going to let that take away from five touchdowns, 342 yards or something like that, and a 59-10 to 10 win. You guys, I texted my dad, who couldn't, who couldn't watch the game at the time. I texted him. He was like, how's it going? How's Lamar doing? Literally texted him. He's only ran six yards. Like, he's got six total yards of rushing. And my dad's like, oh, God. He's like, oh, no. Like, this is really bad. I was like, but he's got 350 yeah, yards and, of passing and five, and five TDs. Man, I want like, that. That, so that was nuts. The first throw was a thing of beauty, a little spiral, like, just rocket in on the slant route. But it was the second pass that I think it was like the 87-yard touchdown or whatever it was. That, I mean, where he just stood in the pocket. And I, I remember this at Louisville, and I can give you specific games and throws that I remember, but the way that Lamar just flicks a football, I've never seen before. The man can flick a football, and it'll go 100 yards. Like People I, were most surprised about, like, of all the things, like, from, from the offseason, from last season, from just his total stigma of being, you know, a so-called wide receiver, running back, whatever – the only thing I, I I kept seeing come up on on my timeline on Twitter was just how many like of these random people were like, oh my god, like he threw a ball like sixty yards and look it, it looked effortless. And I'm like, he's been doing that it, for years. And it like, blows my mind. Louisville fans have like been screaming from the top of mountains. Like Louisville about, fans are never gonna let it go. No, like, well, no never one, gonna let it no go. No fans will, criticize Scott's or that Lamar Jackson. No one will ever listen to Louisville fans about Lamar until until they see it themselves. Like that's the whole thing. Like we have talked ourselves purple trying to explain to people like. Just let him have some time to get the passing thing down because clearly he was he did it well in college. He just needed a little more learning curve under a Harbaugh system. But well, and so does every single quarterback. Yeah. That I mean, look at the other the ones NFL. drafted with him. They're not he, doing anything. He's been yet. way better than all of them. Right. I mean, he he's proven that he. I mean, maybe not have gone first. So you can still argue that Baker should have gone first, but he for damn sure should have gone before the other guys, and and he showed that in college as well. And I think it shows where kind of where our culture has gone. I mean, there's it's so obvious that so many people literally just didn't even watch Lamar. Like maybe they'd no. see highlights, they'd see hot takes on Twitter. They, or saw, they media saw the they, running, they saw the running highlights, and they saw I'm sure they saw like snippets of like the overall stats, and they're like, yeah, okay, but you know, it's it's Louisville, it's it's college. Yeah. Literally, if you just whatever. sat down and watched a couple of Lamar's games in college, you know he can throw the ball. You know he has yeah. he throws a beautiful ball, and he's got a heck of an arm. Yeah, the game cool. I go back to is the North Carolina game. Uh, his senior or his junior year i guess because he left early right didn't he leave it yeah he yeah, left early yeah. so that game is the one that i i remember sitting in nashville believe it or not at a double dogs cheering with a couple of buddies of mine who are big global fans and seeing that some of the throws that he made in particular and i always go back to this throw this is the throw that stands out above all to me of all the throws and all the runs that he made was the one where he spun around in the pocket and just flicked the ball and it, i think it was ended up being like a 78 yard touchdown to jalen smith all the while, he's trying to avoid pressure. He's trying to keep his eyes downfield, and he throws a perfect football. And to me, that's always the guy that I knew he could be in the NFL. 
He is very much – this is going to sound crazy and just understand where I'm coming from when I talk about this. When he learns how to throw the football in the pocket, he's going to become Russell Wilson. And that's the thing. So, like, when everyone kept talking about, yeah, he's such a good scrambler. He's gifted in, in terms of just being elusive. But but one thing I, I think everyone was waiting on, like you literally just said it, was how is he going to be with, with a normal – offensive line where he right. can actually have some time to pass right because is he going to get happy feet because he we all know he's so good at running and he knows that or will he actually make the reads do the check downs find the open window do the things he's supposed to do as a passing quarterback and just use his legs you know obviously like when he needs them mm-hmm. and so i think the whole like my bad i, I, I think good. the whole like is he going to rush over 139 times a game just stop like even he doesn't care about that he's like no he's like if I need to, I will, but obviously I don't. And I think somebody in, in Harbaugh's presser after the game, um, you know, even mentioned they were like, were you, you know, like, were you guys worried, like, when they started loading the box? Because, of course, like, if you're playing Lamar Jackson before, like, going into this game, I'm going to load the box every time because either we're going to bring pressure or I'm going to try to sack you or, you know, you're probably not going to pass it that well. Harbaugh, like, laughed. He's like, if they take away the run, he's like, we're clearly doing okay passing the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that opened up so many eyes to at least even like the other NFL teams they have to play the rest of the season cuz I'm sure their defensive coordinators like, "Oh shit, like we actually we got to do way more game planning than we thought we had to." Right. And the thing I I can't really place my mind on or place a finger on is how much of that had to do with the Dolphins secondary and defensive line being horrible, which it's really funny cuz I was listening to the Dan Levitard show today. And they were, like, making fun of the Ravens and, like, making fun of Lamar. And it was a, more of a – which, they, no, they're not, they're not saying what he did wasn't incredible. But it was more of a, like, you guys don't realize how bad Miami is and how bad they're trying to be on purpose. Right. And I think there's some truth to that. But you still have to make the throws yeah. in, like, and hit dudes in stride. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. like, it, if he has time in general. That's all I wanted to see. Like, if he can stand up in the pocket – and and actually have a second to make the yeah. throws. You see what he can do. Like that's yeah. we all know he can scramble and he can make throws on his on his feet and as he's running and things like that. But like just stand taking a three step drop. Right. And, and you just have, doing basic and you have three NFL seconds quarterback. And just yeah. dissecting the defense from that standpoint. I don't think anybody's ever actually not anybody. I don't think a lot of non Louisville fans have seen that. Well, and here's the other thing. There's bad NFL teams every single year. Right. And Lamar broke tons of records. That's another great day. point. Yeah. And I, he was the first, I don't know the exact stat, but he's the first quarterback since Peyton Manning to throw for that many touchdowns in a season opener. There's been a lot of seasons. I mean, yeah. I think it was 2013. Yeah, he, so was, Lamar Jackson is the first player with at least five passing touchdowns in a season opener since Peyton Manning. Yeah, there's other teams that have tried to tank. There were teams, worst, ter- there were awful teams. Worst loss in Dolphins history yes. at home with 59 points or 58 points, whatever it was. Like they, they, He got the, the total amount of points. Yeah. And you know how many Ravens records them. they set the other day? Yeah. The Ravens have been a football team for a very long time. And there have right. been bad football teams for decades. Yeah, and, and so, yeah. so I mean, but the list goes on and on. And what what he did at Louisville is he broke records, and we're already seeing that. Last year, he became I think the youngest player in NFL history to start a quarterback in a playoff game. He's the youngest quarterback in history with a perfect passer rating of 158.3. Seventh quarterback since 1950 to finish the game with 158.3 rating with more than 300 yards and five touchdowns. Which, by the way, can someone explain to me what the hell like the 
I didn't know the perfect pass rating until he did that was like 158.3. Like yeah, I, don't I don't understand. How, they settled how upon do you that come number? up with an algorithm that's like that's the perfect number? That's that's the limit you can hit is 158.3. I got a 16 that's SAT it. or 16 ACT score in the math section, so I'm not the one to talk to about math. That's that's not for me. So I have no idea. I that'd be me that comes up with that. You didn't like, even have to admit that. On I don't. Pod, but, hey man, hey. I, I make a good living now, so I think you, I did okay for myself. You're doing all right. And, so let me tell you this. This might be an embarrassment and indictment on myself, but I, do you also count with your fingers? Like when you all add? Okay, all right. So I don't feel dumb. My mom all gets so time. mad at me. Like that's the that's what I paid for for you to go to college. I try to tap on the table. Like I look like I'm tapping on the table, and but I'm actually really, like secretly but, like. But are counting. you really counting? Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I'm so, actually counting. So is that official? Hold on. Can I can I do like do 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 breaking nose? Oh, you just totally ruined. We're not in the fifties, like <laughs> why you're not, not? You're not like a newsie. Why not? Yeah, shame breaking news. Right, like I was trying to go with like at least the nineties updated ESPN like breaking stuff. So uh, this is interesting because this is the first time that we've had any kind of breaking news in the middle of our podcast, I believe. But uh, Louisville's landed their twenty third commitment of the two thousand and twenty class this time in Lovey Jenkins, who was a uh, Tennessee commit as of. Like 15 minutes ago, right. so this is a, this is a big deal. This is a kid who's a three-star cornerback out of Florida, has a ton of offers. Um, I, I believe he is a guy that they were on last year at Appalachian State because he holds an App State offer. Um, chose Louisville over obviously Tennessee, Miami, Notre Dame, uh, Syracuse, Purdue. So I mean, the, the kid has some serious Power Five offers, and I think that this is just another sign of what's to come with Louisville. We talked about this all summer, Alex, but Louisville had 20 commits going into the season without even stepping onto a football field, um, and now they're at, they're at 23. We've seen a couple of commitments the last couple of weeks, and they're going to continue to roll like that. Um, so pretty big news. Also, he had a really bad stint coaching at uh, – coaching at – oh, my God. I totally had that joke in Illinois. Son of a gun. Oh, you're going to make a Lovey Smith joke? Man. Man, I know. I, when you make a joke, I that's going to land. I'm, yeah, nope. I'm I'm going to go sit in the corner for the next five he, minutes now. I think he's still the coaching there. He is. he is still, and he's got an incredibly gray beard. It's the weirdest it's wild, thing. man. It's, it's the yeah, weird, like it that guy coached so, in the NFL for like 13 years, and I never saw all that. And it's then like all of a sudden, so white, like, it's cool, though. I guess when I you agree. go to Illinois, that's what happens. Okay, but can we not, like, on a, on a Don't, more. What are you laughing at? Your, your brothers live in Iowa and Illinois, Ethan. What do you mean? Those are my people. Yeah, those are your people. <laughs> <Those> are, <laughs> blonde my, people. My people of the corn. Those are mine. Uh, no, but on a real note, how awesome is it to see online? Like, I think I just told you guys this before we started, but but even on two four seven, like seeing the orange power T, and then seeing the sideways arrow, and then seeing the cardinal head, like we're getting actual, tra- like not transfers, but uh, we're we're getting actual flips. Like on the commitment trail, like that's that's huge for a team that's still only one and one, and we definitely weren't great last year. But in terms of what we've done in two games to really excite not only the fans, but also the potential commitments, because I mean even after the Notre Dame game, we lost by 18 points, and even Satterfield's like, yeah, there's still guys from other schools like hitting us up right now. Well, and I think like, that- like that's all, that's a great sign if you're still not winning games. But he's like, actually, you know we. We did pretty well for ourselves, and well, they they've done a really good job the last two weeks of getting players on campus. I think uh, they had four or five official visits this last weekend, and they, they had a couple against Notre Dame. And I don't know if Levy Jenkins is one of those. I, to be honest with you, I have no idea. But how could you, as a as a player, like there's a couple of different factors when it goes into this. One, 
how could you not be excited about the atmosphere? I mean, Alex, you and I and I, Ethan, we were all at the first two games. It's been absolutely incredible so far. Like the, the fan base has really shown out, which heading into the season, I wasn't sure if that was going to be the case. And I can't blame them because you just, there was just, there, there was excitement, but it was all manufactured at this point because there had been nothing on the field. Now you've had two games where there's been a, a real, ex, really, really good football on the field. Um, and it's only going to continue to get better. And I think the recruits are going to see it when you, when you couple that with the, the fact that there's going to be playing time. Like these kids have a chance to come in and play right away. Right. Uh, you know, some of the more talented kids in the class. And why would you not want to come to a place where, you know, Lamar Jackson just won a Heisman three, four years ago. You know, there, it's an incredible place with a lot of really good facilities and then great football on the field. I mean, it makes total sense that kids are starting to flock to the to the program, and I, I think that he has quickly answered the the question of whether or not he can recruit at a high level. So one thing I, I think I told Kate while watching the EKU game uh, while we were sitting there is I didn't really understand the importance of hiring like a professional like videographer to follow the team around and, and to do things like that. Like I, I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's going to help in, in certain things. And we were still talking about like, what's this, you know, all access show going to look like and, and all that stuff. The social media, the football team has been pumping out has yeah. been like, even from the start of the summer, like has just been nothing short of a 180 from this entire, like we didn't get to see most of that prior to this staff coming in like it it is kind of similar like i think i've told you guys like the parallels with like the transparency with with mac taking over patino yeah like like going from secrecy to just everything's out in the open look how awesome we are same thing happening with football like what's the point of building all these super super nice facilities if you're just gonna like put a veil of secrecy over everything not show anybody anything not tell anybody any of it and they're like, well, why are we doing this? This makes no sense. Like, let, yeah. let's let's show everybody what we have here. And so, like, even the intro video, like, that thing is so badass. Like, Man, uh, I wish they would go – Did I, I like, didn't see the intro video on Saturday, but did I, they go I, back to the red coming out of the red tunnel? Because mm, that was the coolest thing that they did last year. And go, I, If you go on my Twitter, I think I pinned the latest, like, intro video. And it's, it's Fitz – like, they follow, like, the back of Fitzpatrick like walking through like the entire process of the intro. And he's like, he's like jumping. He's like high five and fans. The strobe lights are going off yeah. above it. Like well, it's just, and, it's insane. And then it's just still like Louisville. Like, yeah. That's a daily post for us. You, like we, we show things like that. We highlight things like that. So I, I totally, I'm sorry to whatever professional video photographer they hired. I, I totally understand your position. Now you're doing a great job. And keep it up. Yeah, so I had a I had a really good friend who was on staff on the video team for the last four years, and uh, maybe even longer than that. And so I've been you know a little bit familiar with what they've done. They've never really had a focus on social media, and I think that had more to do from the top down than it did with the football program. I think that the marketing team, which you can see it across all sports, has really kind of put an emphasis on engaging with fans. Um, and now I lost my train of thought. But uh, what I was uh, what I was going to say was on in week one against Notre Dame. I thought it was so cool, and it was just something that you could gloss over. But I think there was a national reporter who like retweeted a video of Louisville's entrance, and she's like, "Oh, so Louisville walks through a nightclub on their way out, and it was the strobe lights and the red lights flashing." Like, imagine being a recruit and seeing that. Seeing that, like that, that is what you as a, as a little kid. I don't know about you guys, but I I dreamed of one day playing professional sports, and I peaked very early, like middle school, so it never happened. But you grow up like wanting, thinking about that moment of walking onto the field with thousands and thousands of fans, and Louisville is 
just I mean, it's the little things like that, man. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about, you know, plenty of other times. It's the little things in recruiting and the coolness factor that that's really can change things. And I think that Satterfield and them are going to bring it. When I think they get like they have a beat on what kids want nowadays mm -hmm. like it's not like an old staff just like well, it's, a, it's what you call a, co a player's coach yeah like here's yeah, how it's sure. always been done here's how it, you know like, yeah you got to conform to us no 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 like we're coming out to you we know the kind of things you like like i would have never known yeah. the little drip like whatever those are called the little character things they do for players um you know i have no idea what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about a uh, drip yeah like i'll show you like the, it's like the little figurines like they're like uh they turn like a player into like a little emoji. Oh, oh, like, like just little, like uh, animated graphics. Or yeah, something like, like something yeah, like that. Yeah. But yeah. like those kids freaking love them. Yeah, well, we'll of course, because it's all about social media well, and hype like, and how much following you can get. And the other part of that too is, um, you know, with recruiting is not overdoing it and not trying to be cooler than than you are. Trying yeah. to, and they've done a really good job, I think, of making sure that they. They don't well still being focus. genuine. Yeah, yeah they, they they there's a tendency like with Charlie Strong to to not want to focus on that. Like, there's two types of coaches, like you said, the ones who mm -hmm. want to be very serious and not focus on the pomp and circumstance, and then there's the ones that who go you know way overboard That's, and you know they just do way too much. And I think Louisville's trying to find that sweet spot, and they've done right. a pretty good job. That, with it so far. I mean, that's honestly a really good point that you bring up there because Charlie Strong is kind of like, no, we're not doing cool uniforms. We I I do not like blackouts. I don't like all the flashy stuff. Well. Louisville's not a football powerhouse that's been around for a hundred years, so right. we kind of have to do that stuff. You can't we, be we, a Penn State or Alabama that has yeah. the same yeah right. uniform just, for fifty you gotta, years. You got to know what you are. Right? Sure, and, absolutely. And, and Louisville is a football program that has very recently come on to prominence, and I think it's really cool how you both were touching on this. We're, we've kind of seen an an embrace of the new age of of, of the way, honestly, everything's gone towards like transparency accessibility social media um it, it's been fun to see our basketball and football program embrace that yeah um and, and release all these cool videos like you guys have been well, talking and about i think you have to really 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 shout out like lottie and people in the marketing for department sure, who we sure. don't even know who they are you know with with basketball andrew lentz i know played a big part of kind of in get getting a game plan of engaging and then they hire Brandon Carlisle, the new video guy for the basketball program. So like we're seeing Louisville put an emphasis on this new age recruiting and new age content creation, which every day, like you have to, like you have to find a way to get in front of your fans every single day, especially if you're a program still trying to come up or still trying to, you know, become the next big thing. And I think that, I think Louisville's doing a really good job and, of that. And listening to the fans too. I mean, they changed third down music. They brought, they brought back the retro Duncan Cardinal logo. They changed the court and made it brought a, a retro feel to that. I mean, these have been things that have been unanimously awesome decisions. I mean, it made national news. I saw Bleacher Report and everyone, yeah. everyone was talking about the new court um, changing. I mean, even things as small as, like I said, changing the third down music, Vince riding around the tailgates. I mean, stuff like that. You gotta never do came to our tailgate. You, you got to do stuff. <laughs> you got to do stuff like that these days. And, and, I mean, I, I know it's kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but that's just something you didn't see with the past administration. Yeah, you absolutely. Just didn't. All right, let's let's transition a little bit here and let's let's dive into Saturday's game. Louisville, you know, goes into a game against Eastern Kentucky, and we we talked about this last week, Alex. There's just a lot of the time when you play teams like this, you just don't, you can't, you just can't take away much because the team is just not very good. It's a lot like Lamar Jackson and the Dolphins. Like the the win should be expected, and more times than not, you learn about your team when you perform poorly against uh, FCF schools. 
But Louisville walks away 42 to nothing, gets their first shutout, I think one of you all said, since 2013. I, I mm-hmm. really I can't remember having a shutout in a long time. Um, but I thought that there was a lot to take away. The, for me, the biggest thing is Juwan Pass early in the game, just the, the inaccuracy with passing the football. Yeah. And I first want to bring up just how correct I was to you and Presley because, obviously, if there's a time I can toot my own horn, I will. Uh, so I think I said they'll probably start this game off. I'm, yeah, they tried passing. I'll, I'll give you that. But, no, we but, were both right. We but, were both right. But I did say that they want to try to rack up the score, which sure. they, they did not. Right. In the first half. Right. Going, going into the half 14 nothing. that made me – that definitely made me nervous. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't say that to anybody, but anybody that looked at the scoreboard no, after nervous. halftime, they're like, oh, "Yeah, but, we, but we Louisville all, but had control of the game." It, you know, yeah. they, they, they it did. was watching the defense take like after that. I was like, "Okay, I think our defense is." Yeah, they, when was they, the last time Louisville's defense was like, "Come on, offense"? Yeah, when's the last <laughs> time? I've yeah. never thought. I, I can't remember the last time I thought. I'm like, oh, thank God! All right, the defense is back out there. They'll get it done. Like, I've never <laughs> – I don't remember the last time I had the thought. I'm like, oh, okay, well, since the offense had a punt, I'm like, actually, I want to see more of the defense anyways right now, so let's get this going. Like, I've never been that excited since probably, yeah, the Grantham years, I, I think, for, to watch our defense like that. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were certain things we were definitely one to watch for. Sure. And the concerning things we wanted to watch are still, you know. Con- concerning things we want to watch. Pretty cons- Still pretty concerning. I do – they still took a lot of steps in the right direction. I think Satterfield had made some really good points at the start of his presser uh, that, like, the, the mental mistakes on defense cut those in half. Like, it did look sharper. The things they could control on their side of the ball. You can't really control the opponent sure. you're playing. Uh, but they can control what, you know, what they do on their side. And I think they did look more poised. They looked more sharp. Um, you know, less penalties. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – I do think listening to Satterfield's presser, you can tell he's not like Puma's not on the hot seat, but I definitely think the the frustration you could say is probably building because Satterfield, like the whole proponent of his offense, is like setting up for these passes. You know, like a majority of it's great running, it's creative running, and it works. Obviously, it's effective. But if you can't make those throws that he needs you to make, like that is predicated on everything else being, you know, like you have to do that. And then that's how you keep the whole offense running efficiently. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But so the thing that you that we talked about last week when we went back and forth on Juwan and passing the football early, what we settled on was Louisville was going to continue to try to run the football. They were going to set it up and they were going to do what they did, which is what they did. But where – what I was trying to say to you was that when they did throw the football, they were going to throw the football deep, and they were going yeah. to try to test to see what Juwan could do. Well, yeah, you and have to, yeah. I thought in the first half, Juwan failed miserably. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been, the, I've been all summer long, I've been the guy that's saying, like, I think that this team has real potential, but I really think that if they're going to take the next level, Juwan Pass can't be the quarterback. Now, against Notre Dame, he proved a lot to me of just, just strictly mental fortitude, of being able to, to stand in there, make the right decisions, be able to, to make throws when he needed to and score the football because, quite frankly, I don't think anyone expected Louisville to score 17 points and be up at one point. Uh, but against Eastern Kentucky early in the first half, he really struggled to hit the deep ball, and he kept throwing the ball over the head of open receivers. Now, in the second half, I think that that's where you can really 
classify that as a win for Jawan because last year we saw, saw so many times where mistakes and bad throws just rocked his confidence. In the second half, he came out, and he I don't think he had an incompletion. I, I went through yesterday, and I went through every single play, and I think I might have missed one but because my math didn't add up, of course. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but what I had gone through was that Juwan was was perfect in the second half, and to me that shows a guy who is is improved. Like that's a win. Now, that's again that's kind of us looking for silver linings and moral victories. But for a guy who really has to work on building confidence and making sure that play to play he's the same guy, I think we saw that. And Scott Satterfield mentioned this in his press conference, but you have to give him credit for how he has handled decision-making in the RPO because that's something that Lamar Jackson was really bad at. Like, uh, you know, Lamar was really good at a lot of things, but one thing Lamar was not good at was trusting his running backs and knowing when to hand the football off or knowing where to go with the football when, you know, opportunities presented itself. Um, And Jawan has done a really good job. I'm not saying Jawan is better than Lamar. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying Jawan has done a really good job of taking care of the football and not fumbling it. In that specific aspect. And this offense is a little bit different because you have five guys – running around all over the place. The ball can go any number of ways. Jawan's done a really good job, but I think that he failed passing the football. And Scott Satterfield said, if we can't throw the football deep, we might as well run the football. To me, that's not a good omen for Jawan. That's right. Jawan's well, got to start hitting the deep ball now or they're going to pull him. Well, and I think that's what we, that's what I told you was essentially like, if you have two QBs that neither can, can throw an accurate deep ball, you're going to take the quicker, more elusive guy if that's all you got. Like, that's the thing. People are like, oh, you know, Malik doesn't have an accurate arm either. Okay, well, since we're taking away, you know, the passing part, if you're just going to have a running quarterback, like, which one of those two would you take? I I think it's a really – it's a much harder decision when you bring up the decision-making part of the offense because that is a – as much as the deep ball is important because that is still a very important piece of setting things up in his offense, the quick decision-making is equally just as important. So you're doing great on one thing, but you're still failing at another. And neither of us know, you know, where Malik said in that process because he missed so much time over, uh, over camp with yeah. that injury. So, I mean, what we, you always have the fans that literally saw the, like, the, the one crazy highlight real drive like Malik came in there of course like makes a super accurate 24 yard just pass right off the bat follows it up with a super nice quick run and then everyone's like looking at each other and I'm like don't even do it yeah. like don't literally as, as he was putting that drive together I was like oh no and I was obviously happy but I was like right here we go but I think this that's is, I think that's good comes. though that's good because Puma has to be on the sideline being like yeah that's damn true. all that's right he point. just nailed his first you know, plus 20-yard throw. It's, it's just not fun. I'm man. over here overthrowing guys by three to four yards. Yeah, that's true. Like, like I think that's going to – obviously, there's already pressure on him himself. I'm sure he's super hard on himself trying to, mm-hmm. like, improve. Right. But watching the backup, the guy you were competing against before he got injured, nailing his first – A perfect drive, really. Yeah. Really having a perfect – like what, like four plays, three plays? Mm-hmm. Like, something crazy. But, like, he just looked so sharp yeah. in his first time out there, missing so much time already. Like, if he had that much time and wasn't injured, would he have been the starter? Like, that, that's uh, That's a great question. Because really they were is. neck and neck before he got injured. Yeah, I think it leads into the next point of – and Presley wrote about this this week, but is there a scenario where they both play? And I think that the answer is yes, and Scott Satterfield has not been – if you go back and listen to his press conference this week and last week – 
it sounds to me that he is going to play both quarterbacks. Like it, it is only a, a, a thing of like, let's get Malik back up to speed. But when you have the ability of a quarterback like Malik who can run the football and also he's a quarterback, so he can throw the football. He's not great at it, but he can. So he presents the threat. I think it just adds another wrinkle to the offense. And I think that as long as you can get Juwan's confidence to, to not take a dip with having two quarterbacks, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I don't know. I don't I, I don't think Juwan showed us enough yet to bench, like I to be to pull him. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it makes a ton of sense, to be honest. What, playing two quarterbacks? Like, I get what you're saying because you're essentially just playing two quarterbacks because one can do something a little bit better than the other. Like, that's basically what you're saying. I think it's – you don't spend, like, as much time and effort on one QB trying to get their mental and, you know, physical things up to par just to scrap him like that. Or, and, and not scrap him as in, like – yeah, your bench and Malik's just going to start the whole time. But you take them out, even splitting playing time, like mentally, that's pulling Juwan. But like that is, and you start and you start in a game that might sure. be close, and you start literally. You go in for two series, you go in for two so series. So that's you, go a, in. you make a great point. But like, here's the here's the counter argument. It's worked before. Now it was a different coach. I get it. But with Brian Brom and stuff on the floors, Brian Brom had a time where we know you're going to go in and you're going to play during this specific time. Stefan, that doesn't take away from you being our guy, but we have to get him on the field. He's too good, which Scott Satterfield, I think, said this verbatim. He's too good to be holding a clipboard. And that's fine. I don't mind having, but playing both of them. I'm just saying, in, in my mind, you have to show me that the efficiency of the overall offense isn't going to dip at all. Because if you start getting into a that's, rhythm, yeah, that's, and it, it's a great drive, but oh, but your second, that was your second sure. drive, so now it's Malik's turn. Mm-hmm. Like, it just worries me on, on the whole just like rhythm and efficiency because receivers get used to sure. certain guys. Sure. With, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but how much of the fact that they have an established running game, which, by the way, don't don't blink now, but they're ninth in the country in running the football. Knock on wood if you're with me there. There we go. I like that, man. That's, that's good football. I like that, man. <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah, knock on your wood if you're with me. Well, the crazy- He's in isn't down for the knocking on wood. He's like, what is that? <laughs> Do you not watch Hard Knocks? No. Oh, man. I've seen Anchorman once, though. Nathan Peterman, man. That's a good quarterback. I like him. Okay. Knock on wood if you're with look, me. Look, you really didn't miss a ton from, from Hard Knocks this season because everyone's just bashing it about how – Oh, it was I've not never, very good, it, it, but oh, my watched. gosh. John Gruden, man, but is John the Gruden best during, thing to ever happen to Hard Knocks. During so team, good. During team meetings, John – John Gruden stole the show for team meetings. That oh, was like I'm my sure. Those are my favorite parts because he, he. Oh, they're he, the best. He, he starts with the church, like the like, church gathering of you know. What's the first thing when you go to church that they do? What do they have you do? You get a pamphlet. No, okay, that's not. What, that's not, that's not <laughs> they have that's you. True, they, they have you stand up and say he hello to the people around you. He John Gruden wrong. Is like, well, then yeah, then you do that. Yeah, then John wrong. Gruden would be like, all right, man, we're gonna we're here at practice. You guys are grown adults, uh, but I want you to stand up and say hello to the guy next to you. Are you kidding me? Wait, he uh, does that? Yeah, he does Dude. that. And then when wow. he makes a good point that he thinks everybody agrees with, he says, all right, knock on wood if you're with me, boys. He yeah. actually – he's being serious. He's oh, not, he's oh, dead sure. serious. Like, uh, like the, crazy. The best part, like, he'll be talking real low, right? And, and he'll talk to the players and just sound really normal and be in the middle of a sentence. And the next sentence, he'll just fly off the handle. Oh, my gosh. And the, you know what I mean. No, the, like, the, just start screaming the, out of nowhere. The clip that, that went viral from Hard Knocks in episode two is him talking – like men, we're a week into training camp and we've played really good. Things have been great. You guys have really worked right. hard. 
but I need better fucking execution. Like, yeah, <laughs> like just, just start screaming full, like out of nowhere. Yeah, full screen the second he he gets to his point. But anyway, I don't know well, how we got onto hard knocks. Before but, we talked about uh, knock and wound you and me. Before yeah. we did that, <laughs> I was gonna say how actually how crazy it is that this staff has managed to completely just transform our running game. We have not been able to run the ball with a running back. Since what year? I don't know. Well, you haven't had a thousand yard rusher since 2010. So I, I think was that, uh, sorry, sorry for the for the one person who commented on the the story. It, we've had a couple of them with Lamar Jackson. I'm running back. Well, for context, I know we talk, we make fun of my age a lot. I was, <laughs> I was like 10 years old. I couldn't drive. I would. I was far from being able to drive. There's a, like, not a lot. Of, there's a lot of things you couldn't do. There's a lot of things I couldn't do back then. Defending yourself at ten for what? Oh, are you talking about Anchorman? <laughs> La- no, or, last no, time since, we had a running had a back. Okay, last time back. we could like, run the football. About? Oh yeah. Okay. That yeah. Does make I mean, sense. Either, but he, here's on top of the excitement with the run game. It's not like a five-star running back came to Louisville and like saved our whole team. You know, like the pretty good. They, they, not yet. No, no, no. But I'm, I, I just meant like the That's staff. True. The staff literally walked in and was like, oh, "These are our two running. Like these Bro. are our running backs." If I'm a running back, That's what I'm saying. I want to like, go to Louisville. They just turned with what they've done in one year. Hell yeah! They turned, what they've done in two games. Two yeah, two games. Yeah. Not even a year. Like, like Louisville's now. Is, oh my god, our running backs are amazing. We've already had them on the team. Yeah. You just didn't know they were that yeah. good because Javian Hawkins had two carries. Once again, last year. no one was utilized properly. Insane. Yeah. Whether it's like even the kids that didn't switch positions this season, like didn't get that much playing time. Like, perfect. Didn't, didn't perfect see segue. The, didn't see the field. Justin Marshall. Yeah. Like I mean, the guy Justin looked Marshall, like a superstar. I mean, I know he only caught two passes, but he looked like I mean, he he looked, he looked like a superstar. Right. You got that. You got O linemen. You got wide receivers. Like, yeah. Taylor Haycraft graded out as one of the best linemen of the week. We were walk on. Like yeah. we were talking about ta- like how much talent does this team even have? We sounded like such idiots because like we no one even knew the overall amount of talent because most of it wasn't even on the field and it, there was no rhyme or reason because of it. And and that's what I don't understand is is now we're we're just finding all these great yeah. players on our team. I think it's these these coaches are pulling it out it's, of them. It, like Marshawn Ford. That, that's what I'm saying. For like, sure. So so the, it's a really interesting point that you make right there because the one of the questions that we had in our uh as a website then when we did the preseason preview was if this team wins six games or more what is the reason and the thing that i said was we have really good football coaches that's what that means if we win more than four games or more than five games it's because we have really good football coaches who literally can squeeze the talent out of every player yeah. left on the roster you have certain scenarios where a coach comes in i was just talking about this last night with my mom you have coaches that come into programs Look at Tubby Smith, great example, who comes into programs. They have other players who were recruited by a previous coaching regime, and they take them to the championship. Then you have guys like like Scott Satterfield who come in, and there's just not a whole lot left in the cupboard, and they go in, and they literally take every ounce of talent and potential that, that, that these guys have, and they get the best out of them. That's good coaching. You want to hear something crazy? Uh, I do. I told you I, I was jumping in the rap. So, Ethan, I don't. I don't know if you've been listening to the recent podcast, but every week he's going to talk about Florida State. I I basically have to make some sort of argument. As it to only why took how we're long? still 30, 38 it pretty, minutes. It was pretty long. Thirty eight minutes. I waited you, this time. Yeah. Either way, I've gone deeper in the rabbit hole on why we're going to beat Florida State. Well, besides the besides looking... the the main obvious points of of everything, but I was listening to some of their uh, some of their like insider podcast stuff the other mm-hmm. day because I'm that weird and lonely. <laughs> uh, they had. Technically, I didn't know this, but a blue chip 
stock player means he was ranked five stars at least at some point by some actual, you know, accredited like rivals or two for seven or something. Florida State, to your point, Jacob, about what coaching can do, this is kind of like the adverse argument of that. They have 37 blue chip players on the defensive side of the ball. And they gave up 38 And they currently have the worst defensive stats of Florida State in like decades. Like they're giving up more like yards per yards per play, like more like uh, points per possession, all all these like all these important defensive stats like that that really show like the trajectory overall of of whether like your offense or defense. Sure. They're terrible. Yeah. Like all horrible. But what the insider guys couldn't get over He's like, how the hell do teams like UNC and U of L, and I think he mentioned uh, not even somebody in the ACC, but basically all these first-year coaches, they're like already seeing really, really positive changes in sure. the programs, whether it be the culture, the kids, you name it. But he's like, how the hell do we have all this talent on our team, and we look light years worse than these guys? Like he's like it just doesn't make any sense. He's like, and it starts with culture. Like they preached about it for probably an hour. Like they hate Louisville right now, not because of we're Louisville, sure. but because Satterfield and them have come in and done what and, they thought and, was going to happen with their school and yeah. rapidly changed it so much. He's like, Louisville's defense looks so sound right now. He's like, and we don't even think they have like a five star on their team. Which I mean, listen to the pi- I was kind of laughing. I was like, "We sure as hell do." <laughs> like, no, uh, but but yeah, uh, have we ever? But it's just incredible. Like we always used to. I used to always give Bobby too much credit. I'm like, "Oh, he was such a good developer of talent. He'd take these two and three star kids, like especially in his first stint in Conference USA and stuff." Or yeah, um, like he would. You know, it, it's Conference USA. It's Big East. Like we weren't reeling in these huge recruiting classes, mm-hmm. but he would take what he had and. and sure. And we were super, super competitive yeah. for for a good amount of years, and I think not only this time around it's it's a win win because not only are we seeing the things we're doing now are going to get us even better talent to start with, but he can also develop that talent on top of it. Yeah. So the other part of the Eastern Kentucky game is the defense, which uh, any time that you allow a team to score zero points is a good sign. But for a team that was giving up fifty and sixty points last year. I think it's a huge marker of improvement that we can kind of lay our hat on as fans and say, this staff is doing an incredible job, which we we all already believe that. But the question that's been kind of going around is, does the shutout mean anything when it's to Eastern Kentucky? I say the answer is yes, because Eastern Kentucky showed some some really good um, opportunity. Uh, they should I, I shouldn't say they showed. They had some really good opportunities to run the football. Louisville. Uh, you know, they kind of gave up some plays and the kid that was there at running back, which by the way, the one that was like six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, that's the biggest man I've ever seen run a football. It's like Ron Dane. I mean, it, it really is wild. I told you he was a big boy. Yeah. But I, I thought that Louisville did a great job of keeping things underneath them. They right. completely shut down the the uh the throwing game, which I mean there was a lot of people talking about and I think somebody, whether it was Alex, whether it was you or Presley last week, somebody was concerned about the quarterback who transferred from Oregon State that lost seven games in a row and was pulled. Uh, Louisville did a really good job on him, and I thought that from the defensive line getting five sacks to the linebackers making plays to the the cornerbacks not allowing literally anything, I thought that overall it was a really impressive performance. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, it's encouraging to see even if we don't have the long ball down at all. I think uh, you know getting. 
getting Dez, getting Devontae, guys like just essentially just our general wide receiving core needed more touches. And they still do. I still think they do. Um, but but the fact like Dez still scored a touchdown, uh, you know, got a couple good catches. Like the, we we need them to get their confidence back up. And the more balls we can throw to them, obviously that's the best way is just through production because they know they got the talent. And, and we, we've been saying, obviously everybody knows it's still one of our strongest – position groups i don't think we realized how strong our running back group was going to be until we we're seeing what we're seeing now but we've always known our wide receivers have been there we just like have to get a quarterback that can get them the ball when he does throw and it can't be on a five yard out every single time like he's gonna have to take some accurate shots down the field to make this work and we have the receivers to do it that's the good part like everyone's rallying around juan saying like we're all here and we're capable we just need you to just fix this one thing. Like, if you can get this one thing down, the whole offense, I still think we haven't seen – well, we definitely still haven't seen the full, you know, the full rollout of the offense because we're just now got our starting tight end back. But, well, I guess second string right now. But So what are your thoughts on the defense? It's amazing to be able to punt the ball and then be like, all right, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. like they might get a third down stop. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting there – Watching us play Notre Dame and getting that that third, what was we stopped them twice in a row, right in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean that just Dude, blew me. That, that me blew and, me away. Me and Jacob like, looked at each other. And we, we might have hugged. We were like numb. And we were because like no, we, I I couldn't believe. Like I was looking at the scoreboard to figure out like what would happen. I'm like there has to be like there has to be a flag or there has to be like something mm-hmm. else. I was like. That can't just be like a normal it's, it's like. It's like what what happens when you get a stop on third down? Yeah, like he's Seriously? hit me. He's like, dude. He's like, do they, like, do they punt? He's like, it's saying fourth and there's no flag. He's yeah. like, I think we actually did. What it. happens now? Like, I don't everyone's remember. Everyone's still like not breathing. I remember thinking, there's no way. Like we're gonna we're gonna muff the punt or there. Yeah, something they're, has they're to go wrong. Right. The, they're gonna go for it. Exactly. And get it or, yeah. Something is gonna go wrong. Right. And then we go out there and get two stops in a row against a top ten team in our first game of the year. Right, and I think it's also after we had it, we couldn't rely on our defense for two years. Yeah, that's the you know, that's like, the crazy. I think our offense just they still aren't used to having like you just said like our offense couldn't rely on our defense the last two three years mm-hmm. like and now they well, now they can and they're like oh my god like we didn't score but then hold on the other team didn't score either so we have another we're chance. fine yeah like, we're, we're okay good. like yeah, yeah. It, it, you it, can tell they're going back out there like oh. Oh my God! Like we actually have support on the other side of the ball now. And I think one of the stories of of Louisville football has been even even when we had Lamar Jackson, we could never put together a complete game. Really, we would always have a game where the defense would look awesome, but nothing could get going on the offense or the other way around. And that that was always what held us back. We had, we would have Lamar Jackson, one of the greatest college football players of all time, but we didn't have a defense to help him out. Really, right? Yeah. We we couldn't get a stop, and, and now we're we're starting to we we saw the the first by definition complete game that Louisville football has done since 2013 when Charlie Strong was here. Yeah, and I completely agree. Go ahead, I'm sorry. To see. Oh, I was just, just I think a super encouraging thing that I don't know how many people picked up though is Satterfield sounds really excited that he's like almost everybody is starting to really find the role and and play in their role. Yeah, and I think. For me, I didn't really under fully like I didn't fully grasp what that meant. But when you have that many guys on the team that you don't have to worry about, 
you know, your second street. Like, I get what he's saying with depth. Like, it should be plug and play. Like, no matter where you are on the field, you know that exact role you're supposed to do, that yeah. exact play. And I think that's really important for the defensive line to get because what they're doing up front is different than anything they've ever done. They're not used to it. And I think after a couple games, like Gigi and those guys are re- – especially how many people they rotated on defense. Mm-hmm. And we still didn't give up a point. Like, that's awesome. I know oh, it's yeah. an FCS team, but they rotated like 30-something guys on defense and a bunch of them up front and a bunch of them through linebackers. Mm-hmm. And we didn't skip a beat. And and, spe- and that's super important. And speaking of linebackers, our linebackers are freaking awesome. Russ East, Rajay Burns, C.J. Avery, those – and Dorian Etheridge – they were awesome. They had been. I mean, Notre Dame too. I mean, they've looked fantastic. It was, we were who they thought they were. Yeah, they, they've they've done they've done a really good job, and I think that you know it's really interesting how it worked out. But you know, more guys than not fit into the roles that the, the new coaching staff wanted them to play. Now, of course, there were a few, and they transferred out, or they're just not playing. But you know, when you look at a guy like C.J. Avery, a guy like Russ East, Monty Montgomery, like these guys are tailor made to play in a system like this, and I think right. so far they're really thriving. All right, let, let's let's uh, let's look forward a little bit. Louisville takes on Western Kentucky on Saturday down in Nashville. This is a really interesting game because it's not technically an away game, but you know, obviously Bowling Green is 45 minutes outside of Nashville, so uh, yeah. you would expect a lot of Western Kentucky fans to travel. So far, it's been a weird season for Western Kentucky. They dropped the, the season opener to Central Arkansas, uh, an FCS school. They came back late, I think is what how that played out. They go and they beat FIU, who is FIU. So, I mean, I don't really know what that means. They were still – FIU was favored. Apparently, that spread started like eight and a half and I think went down to like six. So, either way, like Western still wasn't favored in their first away game and, and still upset them for what it's worth, you know, um, even though the total is not crazy. But, yeah, we – we have no idea. Um, much like WKU, um, or much like U of L, actually, like Bobby wrecked Western after he left. Like, it's really we, interesting because he we, was there for a year. Yeah, exactly. Like we, you have to be really good at wrecking programs to wreck a program in one year. He's just good at it, man. And his apologies aren't, but he's he's good at it. But uh, but yeah. So like being an alumnus of WKU, I was super blessed to be there during the Brom years, dropping like seventy points on teams. You're talking about the most fun ever being a college kid going to games because you knew you were about to see just a spectacle on offense every time even if we didn't have a defense because we really kind of didn't um but like we knew we were still going to drop like basketball level points and that was a lot of fun to see they're still waiting to find that next up-and-coming coach and and that and and uh sanford the other year definitely you know wasn't it and and tyson i'm not too sure yet obviously i think two games is a small sample size but losing your home opener to an fcs team that's tough is not the best start um in my mind but obviously you know they they pulled out the the week or they pulled out the win last week um but yeah i think i was telling you guys a little bit before the podcast the majority of of what you're going to hear positives wise that we're probably going to have to look out for and and louisville is going to have to actually um you know, really try to game plan for is that they have a they have a pretty stout O line and yeah. they have a, and they have a pretty good run game. Yeah, they they've, they've given I, up just one sack so far. I mean, right, that's impressive. So I, I that think it's that's what I that's the matchup I think I'm most looking forward to is is our is our D line and our linebackers and and how they handle a really well run sure. offensive line and and a really decent run game. Yeah. So in pressure wise, because you know we we've gotten. 
what? How many sacks the first two games? Eight sacks so far. Good God. So they've almost yeah. equaled their total Eight? from a year ago. Yeah. yeah, they had five against Eastern Kentucky and three against Notre Dame. Right. So, I mean, they're... It's going to be a challenge. You're, right. you're so spot I'm definitely, on. I'm excited to see it, though, because I do think we're going to win. Um, I do think they don't have the attrition, um, especially in the second half, to keep it up with us, especially if we're going to be running the ball like I think we're going to be running it. I think their defense um, definitely gets kind of winded. That's what happened with Central Arkansas. They Central Arkansas, like, I, I watched the first half of that Western game, right? And, and I thought it was going to be a blowout. Like, Western came out, uh, did, like, couple trick plays you know kind of some things that like really Braun made them known for i was like oh my god i was like all right they're actually gonna be fun to watch again this year and then the third and fourth quarter happened and they it, it almost looked like florida state to where once again florida state reference but you they just can't you just can't they not look, talk about florida state. i'm so pumped for that out. game like guys if we lose that game i texted I'm, presley I'm and i said what do you think alex is talking about his first guess was fsu well, I'm sorry. You're looking pretty it's smart now. It's a brand. It's, no, it, I told you last week. It's good. It's a brand. I said months ago there's more turmoil. You did. Everyone's leading on, and now it's just starting to surface because games are actually getting played, and they have to go out on the field and show what they've done. And now they got receivers lined up backwards, and all that <laughs> crap. But either way, so like they they start out hot, and they look competent in a lot of things. But then it's almost like one bad thing goes wrong, and then they just like throw their hands up. They're like, oh god, okay. Yeah, like they let it snowball on themselves. Yeah. So, and, and I think that that part's really like if you're a, a young new head coach with players that aren't yours, that's a really hard thing to overcome. Like something Satterfield and them had to overcome is is we have to put these guys in a better winning attitude all the time. And I don't think Western's really there yet, especially with the the start they had. Yeah. So when I look at Western Kentucky, I see a team that is not very balanced. And when I say that, you've got two guys on offense now they've got a really good offensive line so it's justified but you have a quarterback who's thrown for you know 545 yards 62 percent completion percentage and then you've got a running back who's run the ball 46 times he's got almost 300 yards on the ground three touchdowns and then when you get into receiving uh you've got one guy over 100 yards you know they kind of spread the ball out a little bit there um but the majority of their offense goes through Stephen Duncan, their starting quarterback, and it goes through their running back, which I don't know if this is how you say his name, but it looks like it's spelled Gage. G-A-E-J. Gage is how I would pronounce that. I say go for it. Gaye. I'm not really sure. Uh, Walker is his last name. So we'll go by Walker. Um, but Stephen Duncan has turned the ball over twice in uh, each game. So four turtle – turtle, four turtle interceptions. Four total interceptions. Um They've run the ball pretty much exclusively um, with one running back, and their defense is not very good. They they gave up uh, 222 yards receiving to one player against Central Arkansas, and their quarterback threw for almost 400 yards. Um, so I, I think that the game plan is pretty simple. I think for Louisville, you come out defensively, um, and you do everything in your power to stop the run and make them throw the football. Um, getting a lead and being able to put pressure on the quarterback will be a lot easier if you're able to stop the run early. And then on defense, I think for Louisville, you've got to really you you've got to really force a lot of uh opportunities for yourself to get to get interceptions, which we talked about it a lot this offseason. Brian Brown's defenses are known for interceptions and two games in they don't have one. So I think that this is going to be your opportunity and likely where you see the first one considering, you know, what the quarterback has done through two games. And on offense for Louisville, uh, you know, Alex, you probably know more about their secondary and what, what they're going to 
you know, present to Juwan Pass in this offense. But my guess is they're probably going to load the box and they're going to try to make Juwan throw the football. So yeah. again, I think it's the same game plan as Eastern Kentucky. You, you establish the run and you give Juwan the opportunity to throw the balls and you trust them as if he's done it. Well, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter if it's WKU, FSU, anybody else. Like until Juwan can prove another team wrong, you're you're not going to see anything really different from any other defense yeah. besides like yeah. overall talent level. Like. Yeah. There's two games now to watch our film and I'm not worried about, you know, throwing if if I'm if I'm game planning for Louisville like okay, their quarterback clearly still has issues throwing the deep ball, so you Let's know that throw them the deep ball. Yeah, exactly. Like that's where I would force them as much as possible. Now, I don't think they have I don't think they have the talent um to do that. I I know they have a, a I think they have a couple one or two decent cornerbacks if I'm if I'm remembering right, but but our wide receivers should should have no issue. If the passes are there, our wide receivers can catch them. That, yeah, that that's my thing. If you give up 222 yards to Central Arkansas's top receiver, I think Des Fitzpatrick, Seth Dawkins, Tutu well are going to be just fine. Right. I also think it's going to be really interesting because Western actually is is has been really good so far in the red zone this year. Um, red zone attempts to scores, they're six for seven right now, um, and five for seven for touchdowns. So I guess you know one was a field goal but either way once they get past that line they're pretty effective so that's another thing i'm kind of looking at uh specifically not just the d-line versus o-line matchup sure. but if they do start driving if they have a couple you know one or two good drives to get us in the red zone what kind of adversity for us you know how are we going to react to that because you have a team that clearly so far the first two years or the first two games yeah it's been up and down in terms of wins and losses but when they're in the red zone they know what to do they're actually scoring the football. So that'll be something else to look at uh, just in specific game situation stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think they have a an overly good, you know, run D, uh, which obviously would bode well for us. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, there's a couple of things I'm, I'm really interested in. But, obviously, if you're a Louisville fan, more so looking at the projection for the rest of the season, you're definitely going to key on watching uh, – just Jawan in general, you know, like obviously we've seen progression in his run game. We've seen progression in his decision making. We're waiting. Everyone's waiting for that final third phase of the game uh, to really pick up. And I don't know, you know, talking about it from week to week, like if accuracy is an issue and I've never been a quarterback, how much better can I get in five well, days? Uh, and, he, and that's the thing. He's been here for four years now, I, I believe. Isn't right. it? It's been four years. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd say if we don't start seeing accurate passing, you know, improved play by you're going to like this, the Florida State game, um, it's – you just kind of kind of say like, well, probably right. – is it going to get that much better? Like, I mean, Is he the player that he is? Right, and, that's, and, and do you game plan – like, if you're Satterfield the rest of the season, okay, like, we're still going to – him and Malik are either going to split time or, or, you know, Puma's still our quarterback. We're going to have to shift the game plan to more intermediate passing and not go so far as to, like, run, 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 and then do a deep try. Like, we're yeah. going to have to just get more creative in, the, in your short – because it is what it is. We have a great QB – like, we have two great QBs coming in. Like, you're going to have QBs coming in every single class, really. But, I mean – Competition never never dies off, but if if this is what we have this year, already two games in, you're gonna have to just adjust it, 
in my, in my mind. Yeah. So before we shift into basketball and talking a little recruiting and bringing on uh, Jake Weingarten, I want to I want to hop into predictions. Which Ethan, you'll have to set the segment out, or you can give your prediction. But you don't you don't get to go into the game. Right. The game is just Alex, myself, and Presley. So you can just watch on the sidelines. Okay. You can get your ball and go somewhere else while we while okay. us big boys play. Okay. So let's let's look at last week because uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of myself. For two weeks in a row, I've been right on with the score. I've been right on with the prediction. So earlier, Alex, I you got to toot your own horn, so I get to toot mine. Oh, pump your chest, man! I will do it. So last week, let's see, let's take a. We went into week two with uh, myself having two points, Alex having one, Presley having one. So the way this works, Ethan, is we predict the score, who wins. And then some kind of third projection. So if week right. one, it was who led the team in receiving yards. Week two, would they surpass the over-under total, which was, I believe, 60 points. And you get a point based off of how many you get right. So if you get the game right, you get a point. If you get the score, whoever gets closest to the score gets a point. Whoever gets the last one right gets a point. So we went into week two. Now, we obviously all picked Eastern Kentucky to lose. But uh, like I said, so we predicted who was over or under. So Alex, you went seventeen to fifty-two. Obviously over. You know what? I'm okay yeah, with that. Push. That just means our defense is better than I gave him credit. For. Sure. So and you were only I'm what a, right seven points that. off. Uh, Presley went forty-nine to twelve. Louisville obviously over there. Uh, and then I went forty-one to seven, and obviously that kept me under there. Got both right. So I am now currently winning four to two to two. See what happens is they just create this point system, and I never check their work. So I just tell them my answers, and then see what happens the next next week after. And typically, it's just me losing. So sure. I'm not really so sure how much I getting, trust this whole you could system. Be screwed over here. Right, I could be, but then again, I just don't. Just to give you, I don't want to check your Give you an idea okay. of how bad Presley is at this. Last week, we we ended the show with five games to predict, and the last one that we did was Denver and uh, Oakland in the NFL. And the prediction was not who wins. What's the score? The prediction was does Antonio Brown play? Here's what Presley said. He said not that much is going to change. And we recorded on a Friday. The game was on a Monday. Not that much is going to change over the course of the weekend. <laughs> that became laughable almost hours after we got off the show because that was the night where he tweeted out the picture of the, the fine and then the apology and then he called somebody a cracker and then it just got okay. weird. To and be fair, no one could have predicted that 48 hours of events. Like, I, I see, just, here, Here's where I disagree. The I'm last just, month has just been every other day. It's been something happening. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to be different. I think he, I, I'm yeah. convinced he's just crazy. I think he might have some mental problems. Like, I think the real. best part had to be everyone made the Patriots joke before that actually came and in as happened. official news. It happened, and people were like, are you freaking kidding me? And I was yeah. like, well, everyone just kind of said it, but no one actually – thought it would happen oh, like, when i saw the jokes i was like oh yeah that's gonna happen like there's, yeah like everyone assumed and haha right. and then it actually happened and you're like oh my god all like, right I didn't, so, I didn't think that was possible so presley is not here tonight obviously so i have his prediction he's gonna go louisville 31 western kentucky 10 and the the caveat this week is how many passing yards does juan pass have so he's got so he's 21, got, 21 point difference so the, the point yeah so okay. 31 to 10 and he's going with juan pass having 246 yards so obviously the way we'll do this is whoever's closest like total yards or no passing yards. Oh, so that's a big game. Yeah, so uh, a lot of improvement in five days for sure. Um, seven, but when they step onto the field, it'll be seven. But okay. who's doing it? I'm sorry. I might have gotten a math problem right there. I, I think I Jacob just got you beaten math. Am I improving as the I show goes he, on? I, think I just have my fingers <laughs> up right now, like trying to count. All right, yeah. so let's let's uh, let's hear what you have. All right, for what's the first one? What, what's the Score who wins just okay. like normal. Uh, 
I want to go. What's the current spread right now? Like eight. It it started out I think at ten or eight, and I think it's gone up. I think you're right at ten. It started at ten, and then it got bought. I yeah, got, I think it's but, probably ten or more by now. I don't, I don't have that in front of me. No, I thought it got lowered. I thought it was like eight to nine. Or if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Yeah, first no, take yeah, because one of my buddies said he found uh, like I go through him if I ever want to. I don't have like my own like account or anything, so I just Venmo. I'm <laughs> like, here's five bucks, put it on that. He said yeah, like he found a line that was like eight or eight and a half, and I told him to just hammer it. I'm like, dude, if yeah. it's eight to eight and a half, I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're beating them by at least fourteen. Right, that's like that. Opinion. That was my thought. Was at least two touchdowns. I'd be breathing okay. Uh, so the fact that that line is still, which I don't think Vegas still knows what to do. Yeah, with the line yet, is so. ten and a half right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, still so. might take that. But uh, either way, um, I'm gonna go with, I'll go with thirty-five to, I'll go thirty-five fourteen, because I was thinking either fourteen or seventeen, but I'll go fourteen because, yeah. Okay, and um, then how many passing yards for Juwan? I'm gonna say, let's go, two fifteen. I think he doesn't make those passes again early. I think we rely on the run again. I think the run starts working. And then by the time we have it out of range for them to win, we go back to passing. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a, that's probably a pretty smart game plan because you know, you've got the opportunity to do what you do. And I think for Louisville all season long, that's what they have to do is they have you, to continue to be themselves. You can't like experiment and tweak as much in this game though. Like that, that's my, sure. Yeah. That, that was my, so like, here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go, uh, my original prediction on this game. I think I had to go back and look at it, but I think I had Louisville like 38 to 17. I'm going to go a little bit higher and here's why. Um, I, I'm going to go 41 to 14 Louisville wins. Okay. I think that Louisville is going to yep. finally, um, Put some put some points on the board. Like I mean, I mean, I know they scored forty two, but it was a very slow. Well, dude, they could be thirty five on offense, and I'm still waiting on. Like we've preached how much like Brian Brown's defense is predicated off turnovers and scoring. Like he's had a top ten scoring defense. Yeah, I think this like is multiple the week times. So, pick six. so like yeah, when's that going to finally show up? And sure. I, I'm I'm really excited about the defense because every week. So far, I know there's only been two, but they've clearly progressed week after week. And once they saw they could shut out a team, regardless if it's EKU or not, yeah. once you physically see you can shut out a team and impose you your you will stop that much, yeah. that does nothing but exude confidence for all those guys. So I'm I'm going to be a little bit bolder here, and, I'm, and I predicted this today in an article that I wrote on BigRedLouie.com, which you can find at BigRedLouie.com. Plug. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say Jawan goes for 301. I think he's gonna have a couple of big chunk plays. Like I, I think okay. there's gonna be potentially like a 75, 80 yard touchdown pass. Now a lot of that might be more running on the ground than it is him yeah. getting the ball through the air. But I think that there's gonna be at least two big plays for them. No, that's a great point because all you, our receivers are so good. You hit them once, you make yeah. one cut, they're gone. Yeah. You know, like and I. I I didn't really think about that when I made my prediction. So, and, and another thing that goes like into that is, you know, they I can't harp on this enough. They gave up 222 yards receiving to Central Arkansas's number one receiver, and I think he only had like eight receptions. So, I mean, the, it shows that there's big chunk plays available against well, their secondary. Seth kept saying, regardless of what the team is, like there will be guys running free every and game. That's what happens and you when have you set up get them. set up the run. Like that's right. that's what you're gonna get. So, so yeah, this is gonna be in my mind the like. Like Ethan just said, uh, like the the test before the real test. Like this is still going to be a game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the reason I keep harping is because I I really do think for both teams, um, for for FSU and Louisville, those are that that game is literally going to set the rest of the season. Like if we upset them there, yeah. 
our whole trajectory changes the rest of the season, and so does theirs. Because so, who, like, who's like the most that, ACC team? Uh, uh, Wake Forest, Wake. Boston College, NC State. I mean, it really Syracuse. just depends at this point. I, yeah. I don't think we really know. That's, that's, all right, closing thoughts on the Western Kentucky game. Any, any what's the we'll say we'll do this quickly, just rapid fire. What's the one thing you want to see? I want to see uh I want to see Western come out and I kind of want to see them not score first, but kind of get hot. I want to they're going to try some like cutesy trick plays. I know they will. And I bet a couple of them might actually hit on on a couple good chunks maybe. I want to see the defense respond. Sure. And I want to say, "All right, that's cute, and then just hit them in the mouth. Yeah, and they will probably back down the rest of the game. Like yeah, that, that. So that's what I'm. I just want to see the defense sure. and see the progression on that side. What do you think? I want to see proof that this hasn't been like a fluke. Like they just started off hot and like, right. and they're they're building off of a feeding off of a home crowd. I want to see them come out there. I want, I want the yep. defense to perform. I don't want them. To show flashes of last the past two years, it's gone. I'm trying to readjust. You know what? That was like the worst readjustment. You want to know what one of my biggest pet peeves is? Is when chairs don't freaking scoot out. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Because you gotta like awkwardly stand up and push it, and just everyone starts to notice you. And, and then the chair like, and the chair does that, where it's like creak, creak, creak. And you're like, dude, sit down. What are you doing? Sorry. Continue. But anyway, I, I want to see the defense come out and and play. Keep flying to the ball. I want to see a pick. Like you guys yep. talked about, yep. Um, I want to see us be able to continue to run the ball. And also, the obvious, I want to see Juwan come yep. out there and look better. Um, I, but yeah, that, that's pretty much all, all I got. I, I just want to see another complete game because yeah. I mean, obviously, it's still a little dicey. Like sure. you never know. It's, it was just a good, I mean, performance against Notre Dame for all things considered, and then a solid performance against an FS, FCS team. I want to see. Another solid performance against a, a decent non-Power 5 school. Yeah, sure. and I, I think to Ethan's point as well, I think so many fans are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Exactly. Like, it, it, yeah. it's such a – and you can't blame what it. What do you like, mean I'm, by that? Like, there's a feeling – Inside me, it, this is too that, good to be true. You're oh, literally yeah, well, he, waiting for something to go wrong. That's we're what so being a Louisville fan is all we're about. We're so far ahead. Yeah. It was the same feeling last year with basketball. Sure, exactly. Like, we're so far ahead of where we you're thought we were. You're just waiting for like when is the game when they're gonna. It's just like crap the stock out. market. Yeah, you're sure. seeing like the mountain keep climbing. And you're like, all right, when's it gonna pull back? Because right now, like as it, they keep getting better, and then our expectations are gonna get higher, and then we're yeah. gonna be oh my god, yeah, and then we're gonna get upset. For me, there's a couple of things. I think you 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 guys have hit on some of the big ones. I want to obviously see Juwan throw the ball well. I want to see them you know play well on defense. But there, the, one of the things that really sticks out to me is I want to see them develop a third running back. I want to. Mm. One of the things is what happens with injury. You know, Javin's a small guy. I'm not I'm not sitting yeah. here saying I think he's gonna get injured. But what happens if you have to go to the third guy? We saw Maurice Barkley, uh, a former walk-on, get carries at the end of the game against Eastern Kentucky. Obviously, we know that Day Williams transferred this week, so that leaves two freshmen behind him. So you have a walk-on and two freshmen as your backup running back. So I'd like to see a third running back get carries and kind of establish himself and show that there is some depth being cultivated there. Yeah. Same thing on defense, on the defensive line. I, last last uh, Saturday, we saw Derek Dorsey, Malik Clark, um, Ramon Purier, Purier, which I think is how you say his name, Eastern, Eastern graduate Eastern. played 13 That's snaps right. as a walk-on freshman at linebacker right. defensive end. So I, I just want to see them continue to, to cultivate depth. I think that that's a big deal when you start to head into the ACC because right. Coach Satterfield said it all offseason. Our ones can play with anybody. Yeah. But when you get into the twos and threes, that's when things get dicey. Right. 
And on the running back, like I, I'm pumped to see Aiden Robinson. Yeah, same here. I, I, and a guy I so said this earlier this season, like I would not be shocked if Jalen Mitchell becomes Louisville's starting running back at some point. I don't think that's going to happen now. Yeah. But when you're talking about a guy who a staff went out and picked as a freshman to be their guy in a new system, typically they end up being the guy by the end of the year. I don't think that'll be the case here though. So all right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll, we'll come back and we're going to have Jake Weingarten on. We're going to talk some Louisville basketball recruiting to close out the show. Uh, so stick around. All right, we've been talking a lot of football tonight, so let's let's switch gears a little bit here and move into Louisville basketball. The month of September is nothing but recruiting. That's all we've been hearing about for the last couple of weeks outside of the fantasy camp that took place this past weekend. But let's welcome in our next guest, uh, Jake Weingarten of Stock Risers and uh, Louisville uh, Louisville Rivals, CardinalSports.com. Jake, man, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well, man. So a lot's going on with Louisville basketball recruiting. The interesting thing is, is I think that there's a lot of fans who I don't want to say they're uneasy. But this time last year, Louisville held two or three commits, and right now they're sitting at zero. Uh, but they've they've got several visits, you know, scheduled and already taken place. What what is this month looking like for for the Cardinal staff, just in terms of what they're doing, where they're going? Like, what what are kind of some of the the things that they're they're taking part in right now? Oh, uh, they're looking for the right fit, that's for sure. Um, last year, I mean, it was I feel like it was a different situation. You know, Coach Mack just getting on the job. Um, and Josh Nickelberry kind of committing right away. Um, but it's kind of different now. Like you said, there's no commits just yet. And that necessarily, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, I mean, it's obviously different from last year. But I think that the class that they've got for 2020-2021 will end up being really, really talented anyways. What's the biggest difference when you look at just recruiting as a whole for Louisville this year and Chris Mack in year two versus Chris Mack in year one? I think the whole the whole past of U of L basketball really I think the thing when Coach Mack first got the jab is the folks were kinda of worried about the future of the program and the scandals and all that. But I think that kinda of went away as time went by and that's obvious. I mean they got the super six that came in and then I think they'll get a nice five, six man class for next year. Probably not six but four or five and I think that was that was kind of the thing when I was when I first talked to some recruits when Coach Mack first got the job, they were kind of wondering, oh, I mean, Coach Mack is an amazing coach and he'll definitely change the program, but what's going to happen with all these scandals that are going through and whatnot? But that's all the way now, in my opinion. I think Coach Mack has already changed the program for the better, so I don't think that really matters anymore. In terms of this month, I mean, we hit about hit on it a few seconds ago. They've got a lot of visitors lined up, and they've already had a few on campus. Um, last year we saw Mac use September um, as a big recruiting tool. I mean, he, he did the same thing last year where he loaded up on visits throughout the month. Um, yeah. do, do you anticipate them kind of having some of the same momentum and, and things really starting to get rolling here at the end of the month like we saw last year? Yes. Um, I think they could even get their first commit in the next week or so, maybe even earlier than that. Um, won't name any names, but I think that a commitment will come soon. Um, like you said, last year they had a lot of momentum going to end of September with, you know, Louisville Live around the corner. And there's some major, major visitors for that event. So I think there will be a lot of momentum before Louisville Live and a lot of momentum going into the first week of October. We, we've seen this off season that Louisville has really kind of sh played their cards in terms of uh, the guard position and who they're targeting. There's been a lot of names um, at the at the one in the combo guard spot that we've seen Chris Matt target compared to maybe last year where we saw more wings or we saw more big man. 
Smith, Caleb Love, Cam Hayes, DJ Stewart, Devin Askew, amongst a couple of other guys. Um, do, do you see any right now as being the lead guy for Louisville, or is it simply we're at a point where whoever commits first is who they take? Um, I don't necessarily think it's either or. I think that there might be a, a pair they're looking at, or they're, they're obviously weighing different scenarios because you don't know who's going to commit. But, I mean, I think you could see like a Divon Smith, DJ Stewart pairing, or Caleb Love, Divon Smith possibly a third guard that'll that could come on maybe Cam Hayes because Cam Hayes is a third guard, so I mean he's he's obviously he just reclassified again so I think there's a they're looking at different scenarios really I don't think the first guy who commits this that or I don't I just think they're weighing their scenarios because they've obviously eyed five or six guards that they like and obviously they can't take five or six guards they need a forward or a wing or a big man so I mean, if Divon Smith were to commit first, like maybe they could look at pairing him with Caleb Love or see what it would be like pairing him with DJ Stewart. Or I mean, obvious, I obviously if Divon did were to commit here, I think they'd ask Divon who he'd like to be paired up with and who he'd think would benefit from his game and who would benefit from his game, you know? Yeah. So so with the the guys who are visiting in September, you, you know, there's Josh Hall, there's uh, Devin Askew, there's Jamin Brakefield. Uh, you talked about Davon Smith, Caleb Love, Cam Hayes. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that they're getting into the fold. Who is the guy in your mind that that was the biggest win just being able to get him on campus? Because we know that for any staff, landing an official visit is kind of that 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 the kind of indicator that a player is extremely interested in your program and is really considering it. Uh, committing. So in your mind, who is the guy that the staff is kind of celebrating the most, just being able to get him on campus? So th what you're asking is like who they should be happy with getting on campus. That's what you're asking. Yeah. So I, I think one, like for example, Josh Hall, for a lot of fans, maybe that just kind of came out of nowhere. Like, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of like, we've been, we've been talking about guys like, you know, Namari Burnett, Caleb Love, um, the DJ Stewart for months now, whereas Josh Hall just kind of popped out of nowhere. But I guess what I'm trying to ask is who who coming on campus like what like what player gives Louisville like the the biggest like win in terms of just getting him there? Man, I think there's a few of those to be honest. Um, if you're thinking as in terms of the 2021 class, which is loaded, I mean having Devin ask you on campus for an official visit without before his junior year like really even starting, I think that's a big deal. And the fact that they're already getting crystal balls in favor of him landing here. I mean, that's that's kind of a big deal. And there's been people that said, you know, if Devin commits here for either 2020 or 2021, he's going to change the future of the program. So I think that's a big win. But even having a guy like Caleb Love or a guy like DJ Stewart or, or Jamin Brakefield, those guys are all top 50 guys. Just having them on campus is a big deal because there are some high major programs that struggled getting visitors on campus over the past few months. So, I mean, the fact that Coach Max has got seven for September, I mean, that's a big deal. And then, like I said, with 2021, I think Devin kind of started a little trend because Christian Lander then confirmed his visit to Louisville Live, and then Pierre Carlson confirmed his. And those are all three with offers. So, I mean, I think Devin was a big win. And then all the 2020 guys getting on campus was a big win. And, Jake, this is Alex. Um, so, Louisville's also, you know, we've seen a couple big guys that they're also after, and they seem this year to more so place more emphasis on the wing and guard spot. Uh, do you think they, f they feel good about where they're at with those guys, or do you think they're just trying to be a little more patient? I think 
they're trying to be more patient because, like you said, most of the guys on the team right now are in the same and there's a bunch of them on the roster for next season. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're, they're rushing it or anything. Like you said, I think they're more patient with the wings and the forwards because, I mean, they've got plenty of them on their roster. I mean, Sam Williamson might be gone after the season, but, I mean, that's losing one guy. That's losing one major guy for sure, but, I mean, that by the end of the season, they'll have another wing committed most likely. So, I think they're being very patient with the wing process. I mean, Josh Hall is the wing. They're very high on um, But, I mean, I think they're, they're being more patient with the wing as with the guard. I mean, they got to see who's going to commit. they got to really weigh their options there because there's so many they're going after. One of the, the storylines that's most interesting to me this time around compared to last year is Chris Mack going head-to-head with some of the bigger names in college basketball, particularly Coach K, uh, Coach Roy Williams, Coach Cal, whereas last year he really didn't have to go um, head-to-head with some of the bigger names. Now, you know, Samuel Williamson had an offer from Kansas. How much he was really pursuing that, I don't know. But the rest of the guys didn't hold those blue-blood offers that, that uh, some of the players this year um, have. In your mind, what is it right now that's just made, making Louisville so relevant, like and so cool, where players are flocking to the campus? Um, it's two or three things for me. One thing I've always mentioned is the staff. I mean, they're very consistent. Um, when I talked to Devin Askew, he told me that Devin was offered last August, so I mean that's a whole year of straight communication with the staff. I mean that's big time, though. It's kind of hard to keep up with one recruit every single day for a year. I mean, that's very difficult. So I think the staff is going to really get the same in touch with recruits. And then another thing is what the city has to offer. I mean, you're in a city with a minor league baseball team and really nothing else. And that puts all the focus on the basketball team here. Like when I went to a game, they played Virginia in February, and Amari Burnett was on campus, and they lost. And he was like, Man, I didn't even really remember the game. I mean, the atmosphere was insane. Like, like he couldn't even hear himself think. And I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, playing at the Yum is something that a lot of players are interested in. I talked to Hunter Dickinson like last month, and he was talking about taking early visits. And then he's like, "But I want to take my Louisville one during the season because I heard the Yum is an unreal experience." And I mean, that's what I've heard from a lot of recruits. I mean. You look at the consistent communication with the coaches, and then you look at what the city has to offer, and then they got some top-notch facilities, and you're playing at the, one of the best conferences in the country. I mean, it's kind of hard to turn down. One of the things that's that's really consistent year to year in college basketball recruiting is who is the hot program? Like, who is the the program that everybody is talking about for the last couple of years? It's been you know Kentucky as they you know built up that one and done mantra, and they kind of pump players in and out, put them in the NBA. Um, and then, you know, there was LSU with Ben Simmons and USC has had their chance to kind of come in and put some big classes together. And now it's Penny Hardaway. Where does Louisville kind of stack up um, in terms of just the, the coolness factor in your mind? Oh, I mean, Jamin Brakefield's like Coach Max, the coolest coach in college basketball. Um, I think that's kind of a big deal. But um, this coaching staff, a lot of recruits I've heard love the coaching staff because they can connect them somehow. I've heard from a few recruits that Coach Murray's a real laid-back coach and really cool dude. And I've heard the same with Pegues, and I heard Coach Dino's real cool also. I mean, I've only heard good things about the staff. I think, as in terms of coolness factor, they're definitely up there. 
obviously, you know, Petty and Jawan Howard are the new kids on the block who are coaching. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, turn down a former NBA star, former NBA coach, and, you know, Memphis and Michigan got that swagger. And I'm not saying that they didn't have it, but it's obviously different when you have a young former NBA champion in Jawan Howard as compared to John Beeline, who was more old school with his recruiting. But I think that Louisville is up there in coolness factor from what I hear. And I, I think, I said this before, I think they'll get a national championship in the next few years. And I think the program will definitely be up there with Blue Blood. You you talked to a lot of recruits over the course of a year and guys who are, you know, in the younger classes and in the older classes and kind of get to know them. Um, in your opinion, how much impact is what R.J. Hampton going to New Zealand and LaMelo Ball going to play overseas and some of the other guys that we saw this past year make the decision to um, to skip college basketball? In the, cha- in the, the scenario with uh, Bochamp, I think is his last name, he decided to even skip his senior year of high school. Um, how much of an impact is that having on recruiting right now? And do you see that being a big deal in the next two or three years? Um, I think that it's, it's kind of being exaggerated. I think everyone, everyone's like, oh, man, like, R.J. Hampton really changed the game with what he's doing. But, like, I, I think of it this way. I think you'll only get less than a handful of kids really thinking about it. Like, obviously, they're all thinking about it. Um Obviously, with the NBA rule change coming soon, you know, apparently 2022 will be the next class that can go straight to the league. I think that the overseas option will be something that's looked at for real. But, I mean, I don't think we'll see that many kids, you know, really do it nowadays. It's it's just such a risk, you know. I mean, going overseas is more of a risk than people think. Obviously, you're getting these big deals and and you're getting money and you're getting – a shoe deal like R.J. Hampton. R.J. Hampton's going to make nearly a million before he's even in the NBA, and he's, what, 17, 18 years old. But, I mean, a lot of kids really don't want to turn down the opportunity to win a national championship and play in front of 40,000 people for a few months. And, I mean, if you, like, I mean, if a Duke of Kentucky, a Louisville, whoever it is, like, just the opportunity to play at that school and, you know, live out your childhood is something that a lot of kids don't want to turn down. Has Coach Cal lost his mojo on the recruiting trail? No. 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 So so you see the last couple of yeah. years just being, you know, guys finding fit somewhere else rather than uh, yeah. players choosing to not go to Kentucky anymore. Yeah. And people, I mean, I know this is, a, this is Louisville love on this show. Like, everyone loves Louisville. But, I mean, I got to really just give it to them. I mean, everyone has their own fit, if I'm being honest. I mean – Everyone has a fit, a plus school that's right for them. And coaches are the same way. I mean, Cal's not going to take a player he doesn't think is going to fit in the system at some point. Obviously, Quade Green didn't fit, so he moved on elsewhere. And that, it's simple as that. You have a guy transfer. I mean, it, it didn't really impact them at all. I mean, they're still going to make somewhat of a decent run in the tournament. And, I mean, apparently this, this 2020 class that they're going to have is going to be freaking loaded. So, I mean, I don't think he's lost his mojo at all. Obviously, there was a little bump in the road. He missed out on some guys, Isaiah Stewart, McDaniels, obviously missed out. But, I mean, he's getting it right back. You know, Brandon Boston and Cam Fletcher is a really, really good start to a 2020 class that could end up being number one in the country. I mean, you look Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Lance Ware, those guys are contemplating committing there. So, I mean, I don't think Coach Cal's lost it at all, if I'm being quite honest. I've seen on on social media that you've spent some time the last couple of weeks hanging out with a few of the basketball guys, um, 
what's that been like? What are they like? How how is their transition coming into the program? What's that? What's all that all about? They're real cool dudes. I mean, like like you're saying, I'm hanging out with them. I mean, I'm I'm 18 years old, so I mean, I've gotten a, I've gotten a lot of hate for doing it. I mean, somebody actually tweeted at me hating, saying, "Oh, so your Instagram story." Well, you're a reporter hanging out with them. No, I mean, I'm just enjoying my – I'm still 18 years old. Um, they're amazing guys. I mean, their grind is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I'll be hanging I'll be hanging out with them after after they're done. Like, they'll come near campus, and they'll be done practice, and they'll be tired, and it'll be, like, the afternoon, for real. I mean, they grind, for real, and I think they're, they're ready to chase the national championship, and they all seem real motivated. And I think that there's something about this team that they all just connect and mesh really quickly. And Jordan Noir is coming back, which is even bigger. So he he was just finishing up the FIBAs. And with him coming back, he's, he's not a captain, but he's still definitely a leader, being one of the older guys on the team. But this team connects really well, and they, they have a special chemistry from what I see. And I think it will be a good season for them. All right, we've got one more question, and we'll get you out of here. There's there's two guys in the last couple of weeks, uh, local guys you could call them, uh, Jay Scrub, J.J. Trainer. I know J.J. doesn't live in Louisville, and, and Jay Scrub obviously plays at John Logan. Uh, when it comes to Jay Scrub, in your mind, is it NBA and Louisville, or is it Louisville and other schools? And then with J.J. Trainer, I, I know that his recruitment has really been kind of picking up over the last couple of weeks, and Louisville is starting to get involved now. Where do you see things playing out for him? Well, first, I'll drop some scoop on the show. Um, Louisville was in for J.J. Trainer today. Um, I didn't really post about it, but Louisville's looking at him. Um, he visited here, obviously, left with no offer. But I think that's a guy where coaches are going to be more patient. He's kind of a guy that just bursted onto the scene the past two or three months. So, I mean, you go from unranked to four-star just like that. Another guy who doesn't really rely on rankings to believe a player's potential, like, I started looking at Jalen Withers in 2016, and I said this dude's going to be a high major elite prospect. And this is at a time where he had an offer from UNC Charlotte. And look, three years later, he had a final five of Louisville, Arizona, Florida, A&M, and Virginia. So, I mean, and then Sam Williamson, when I started talking to him, you know, was fringe top 100 and ended a five-star McDonald's All-American. I don't really rely on rankings, to be honest. I think J.J. can end up being – he'll be a project player, but if you send him to a school like Louisville, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, Missouri, which is where he's got interest from, I think that he could turn out to be a monster. And then Jay Scrub, um, I've said it's either NBA or Louisville, but Alabama, Cincinnati, schools like that are still making a run and believe they can get him. And then U.K. just got in the mix and made his final 10. So that's it'll be a fun race to see, but I think he's ready for the NBA. Um, but I, like I said, every everybody wants an experience playing at a high major elite school. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up doing college for a year. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for your time. You guys can follow him on Twitter if you're not already, which I probably assume that you are, at Jake Weingarten. You can catch him on StockRisers.com and also writing for U of L Rivals. Man, enjoy uh, the first couple of weeks of school and uh, getting ready for, for basketball season. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me.